안녕하세요. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you again this morning. Uh, we are going to go into the Word of God in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 through 20, as well as 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. So if you have your Bibles, then we encourage you to take them out and read and follow along with us. If not, you can follow along on the screen. Uh, please stand with me as we read the Word of God. I'll read for us Deuteronomy 18, 15-20. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. And the Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-13 through 13. Now about food, sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food, sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what, he, what has been sacrificed to idols? So then this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. You may be seated. Uh, the passage that we read today in 1 Corinthians is I'll be uh, examining and expositing with you today. Paul deals with a, a great issue within the Christian community about whether it's okay, whether it is good to eat food that has been sacrificed to idols. Uh, so we need a little bit of historical context in order to understand what's going on here. So in the time of, uh, the, of Paul and of the, these Corinthian Christians, it was still common practice for people to be invited into the dining halls in the courtyards where people sacrificed uh, in the temple, right, on the side, 
they sacrificed food and they made sacrifices and offerings to false gods and idols. And so there's idol worship, but in the courtyards was kind of like a, a place where people fellowshiped and gathered together and still, you know, um, ate together. And Christians many times were also invited to these places to eat, right, with other people. Uh, of course, people who did not uh, believe in God or know Jesus Christ. Uh, it was also common practice for people to buy food and meat in the marketplace that had been previously sacrificed in these temples or previously sacrificed to idols and now there's kind of leftover and so they're being sold in the marketplace. So then the issue here is not whether it's okay to worship idols, right? We know that idolatry, worship, the worship of any idol, the worship of any other god is not good. It is prohibited. The issue here is whether you can eat certain foods or not whether it's okay to eat food that has been previously sacrificed. And so we want an answer. And the Corinthians, they also, they want an answer. And we want an answer that says it's okay or it's not okay. But Paul, he doesn't give us such an answer. He says maybe, sometimes. And so it might confuse some of us to say, well then, is it okay or is it not? But what we must understand as Christians is that there are certain principles, there are certain doctrines of our Christian faith that are unshakable. They are objective. They are not subjective. They are the truth. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is not subjective. It is the truth. The truth of the gospel says that we can only be saved through Jesus Christ alone. Through faith in Him, we are saved. That is an objective truth. That is the truth. And so, if there is a dispute that arises and says, well, is there any other way of salvation? Can I worship another God to be saved? Then the answer would be no, an emphatic no. However, there are some principles in our Christian faith where we apply the truths, these objective truths, into different circumstances and scenarios. And the reason why Paul says sometimes and maybe is because in these situations, there's neither right or wrong, there's neither good or bad, but pertaining to each situation, the Christian should do as he is called to do in the truth of Jesus Christ. Now these types of issues are what we would call audiophorous. Audiophorous. This means that when it doesn't pertain to the truth of salvation, that it doesn't really matter. There's no right or wrong. There's no worse or better. But it is as it is in each situation. Let me give you an example. Apple or Samsung? Some people like Apple, like Jeff. And some people like Samsung, like me. Some people like to eat Chick-fil-A and some people like Popeye's. Some people like Tom Brady, and some people like any other football team. (laughs) Here's the point. When it comes to salvation, God doesn't love people who use Apple more than he loves people who use Samsung. They're all going to be saved. It's audiophorous. God will even save people who root for Tom Brady. This is what Paul says in the scripture today. In verse 8, Paul says in 
the, the passage. But food, it does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. And then he continues to validate the claims of the so-called people who are strong in faith. In verse 4, they claim an idol is nothing at all in the world and there is no God but one. And Paul says, you are absolutely correct. This is the truth. There are no other gods. There is only one God and there is only one Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to this food, it doesn't matter if you eat the food or you don't eat the food because you're no better off if you eat it and you're no worse off if you don't eat it. But then he gives a caution. In verses 1, 7, and 9, this is what he says. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So Paul says, it is adiaphorous, unless it starts to hinder someone from loving Jesus. When it starts to creep into actual salvation, that's when it stops being adiaphorous, and that's when it starts to become essential. So what's the problem here? The problem is that a lot of the so-called stronger Christians who claim that they are you know, strong because they know more about Christ, they have this knowledge of God that says, Christ has set us free, and so it's okay to eat any type of food because we're not bound to those laws anymore. We're not bound to these things. Christ has given us Christian liberty, and so let us eat anything because now everything is clean in Christ. What Paul is saying is, those who claim to have this knowledge, if it becomes a stumbling block to other people, a stumbling block to fellow brothers and sisters, so that they begin to sin against God in their own conscience, that they begin to fall away from Christ, he says, then it is no longer adiaphorous. In fact, Paul goes as far as to say in verse 11 that the weaker brother or sister that is, that, uh, is led astray because of this knowledge and exercise of these rights becomes destroyed. And so now you are not just doing something that's adiaphorous, but now you are sinning against your brother and your sister, and Paul says you are even sinning against Christ himself. Now how can something so insignificant as eating food become a sin against God. Again, it's not the act of eating the food, but it's because you're causing other people to stumble by eating that food. So we see Paul make a case for what is true knowledge. These Corinthians, they claim that they're mature because they have this knowledge of God. Paul corrects this misunderstanding by telling the Corinthians that the beginning of knowing God and, and having true knowledge of God it doesn't come from the knowledge. It comes from knowing the love of God. And that's why it's seemingly peculiarly, Paul says in, in the third verse, that those who love God are known by God. In other words, those who would claim to be strong as Christians, mature as Christians, are not mature based on how much they know about who God is or knowledge of God 
but they are mature based on how much they know the love of God, how much they understand that they are known by God. Paul identifies this as the root of all the problems that are going on in the, in the Corinthian church right now. The reason why they're divided, the reason why the weaker are stumbling because of the stronger, the root of this is because those who claim to be stronger have forgotten that they are first and foremost known by God. They look to those who are weaker and say, are you still doing this? Are you still you know, eating food, you know, not eating food or abstaining? Or don't you know that we're free? Paul says that in doing so, they are a stumbling block. In his commentary, Anthony Thistleton, he says, love rather than knowledge is the Christian's guide. Love rather than knowledge. So then growing as a Christian doesn't come by merely increasing your knowledge, by asserting your rights because of the knowledge that you have. But it's first by understanding that you are known by God. Paul admonishes those who would think that they are mature Christians because of their knowledge of their religion or their knowledge of Christianity. But he says if you don't love, then you don't know the basics of Christianity which is the love of God. Let's think about that for a moment. Why, why would Paul say that? We would expect him to say, well, if you have true knowledge, then you'll know, you know true love. But he says, if, if you really know God, then you will know that you are known by God. In Psalm chapter 139, the psalmist says, For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We are known by Almighty God. We are, through all of history, through the billions of people, through this great expanse in the universe, and in all of it, Almighty God, the Creator, knows me, knows you. He knows who we are. This humbles us. This humbles. When I think about the great Almighty God knowing who I am, it humbles me. When I think about all of my rights, all of my blessings, all the things that I have, all my knowledge, where does it come from? It comes from God. So then, in doing whatever they wanted to do, even if they were right, but not loving others, not thinking of others in the process, is not only not Christ-like, but also completely disregards Christ himself and just shows how much they don't know who God is because they don't know his love. Christ died not as an act of self-assertion or claiming rights, but as an act of self-giving love for the sake of the other, not the least for the weak. Christ gave all of his rights up so that the weak, that's us, we could be saved. When we think about the salvation that comes from Christ, we don't think about Christ asserting his knowledge onto his disciples. Well, don't you know this? Don't you know, you know you're not supposed to do that? No, he leads with love. He tells them about the love of God. And he shows that love of God 
on the cross. Freedom and rights were restrained for the sake of love for the insecure, the vulnerable, for whom freedom might be their ruin. Though we have the right to choose and be free in Christ, we renounce those rights for the sake of Christ and the advancement of his kingdom. So then, if even Christ humbled himself, died for us, why do we often assert our knowledge, our rights over others? It's selfishness. It's pride, entitlement, to boast. It's because we love ourselves so much. We love to be right. And so as Paul states, many times we forget the love of God. We forget how we have come to be who we are. We forget how we have come to know the mystery of the gospel. It's not because of anything I did. It's not because I was wiser than others. It's simply because God loves me. I want to point out that for Paul, everything that he did in his life and everything that he encouraged other brothers and sisters to do was for the edification of the church and the building up of the body of Christ. And that's exactly what he points to in this chapter today as well. In verse 1, we remember he says that knowledge just puffs up. But what does love do? Love builds up. When you love your brother and your sister, it builds them up. And what is the point? What is the, the goal of the church? To come together, to build one another up, to edify one another for the sake of Jesus Christ, for his glory. And this is throughout all of his letters, he says this. And speaking of the same topic in Romans 14, he says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. And the message today is the same. Be united. Build each other up in the love of Christ. Edify the body. Stop dividing over these meaningless things. The point that Paul makes here is that those who claim to possess this knowledge, they claim that what they are doing is building up their brothers and sisters. Well, I'm just letting them know, you know what, what their rights are. I'm just giving them more knowledge. I'm helping them to overcome their weak conscience. And this is what Paul says in verses 10 and 11. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed in your knowledge. Paul says, you think you're building up, you're edifying this brother or sister, but what you're actually doing is you're destroying them. So what they thought that they were doing, they're doing something good for, for Christ, building up their brothers and sisters, Paul says, well, because you're not doing it in love, you're not doing it for the sake of God and his kingdom, he says, you're actually tearing them down, you're destroying them. In verse 10, the word emboldened in the Greek is oikotamethestai, and it's a word that also means to build up and to edify. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a coincidence that Paul uses this word and then says, you think you're building them up, or karamethestai, but you're actually destroying them. You're defiling them. All in the name of God. Paul is almost sarcastic in his comment that those who would claim to be more enlightened and stronger in faith and more mature, more knowledgeable, and he says that their knowledge is actually tearing people down and destroying them rather than building them up. For Paul, it is a sin against Jesus Christ himself if you are more knowledgeable, if you have been in the faith for a longer time, if you know God more in his word, yet you neglect those brothers and sisters around you to love them as God loves them. It is a sin against Christ himself. Not loving, not sacrificing, not building up those around you, he says is a direct offense against Christ himself. Paul's argument is that those who would claim to be stronger can build up their brothers and sisters not by forcing their knowledge onto others, but by loving them as God loves them through Christ. So Bible study is great. Devotionals are necessary. These are all good and necessary things to grow in the knowledge of Christ. But if we do not have the love of God, then it is meaningless. We must daily immerse ourselves in the love of God. Daily remind ourselves, I am known by God. Who am I? Paul says uh, in, first, uh, in first Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Who are you before you were saved? Who are you before you met Jesus Christ? You are all foolish. You are not wise. You are nothing of this world. We have to daily remind ourselves who we were before Christ saved us. We were nothing. We were headed to death and destruction. But it is because of God and the love of God that we are able to be saved. So then in verse 15, Paul, he finally says, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. I remember a wise pastor once said that when you see a therefore, you have to see what it's there for. I think you know this pastor as well. This is Paul's answer. He goes through this 12 verses of, should you eat it, should you not eat it? And in verse 13, this is what he says. He says, if it causes my brother or sister to stumble, he says, I'm not going to eat it. Not only will I not eat it, he says, I will abstain from it forever. I will never eat it again. Why? Not because I can't, not because I'm not supposed to, not because I don't have the right to, but for the sake of my brother, for the sake of my sister, because I love my brothers and my sisters more than my right to do something, more than my right to eat meat. He says, I'll never eat it again. I'll gladly give it up if it means that I will edify and build up my brother and my sister. On the other hand, if we're not willing to give up something, Christian liberty or some kind of right for the edification of others. When we say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I learn things. That's just the way the culture is here. Then we are allowing the love of God to be hidden from our lives. That's the great thing about the gospel is that 
It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your culture. It doesn't matter about your upbringing or your background. The love of God surpasses all of that. That is why we are able to gather from all nations and all tongues, all people groups, everyone from whatever past or culture that you're from, we are able to gather together and be united. Why? Because of the love of God. Our God is one and Lord of all. And so as Chrysostom, he comments, It is foolish in the extreme that we should esteem as so entirely beneath our notice those that Christ so greatly cared for that he should have even chosen to die for them as not even to abstain from meat on their account. We come to the Lord's table this morning remembering how Christ gave everything up so that we could be saved and have eternal life, so that we could be here, so that we could worship him like this. And so let us be people that elevate being known by God, that elevate the love of God more in our lives above any rights that we may have or any rights that we are even entitled to so that we will be able to exercise our rights the way that Christ did by laying ourselves down for our brothers and sisters. And let me finish with Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in the Spirit of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Amen.